0: listening to Law and Gospel on this open mic Friday, March the 8th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and if you call in early, we might be able to get to your questions of a theological nature. How do you call in? Well, if you're in the St. Louis area, you just dial eight two one zero eight fifty. Anywhere in North America, 1-800-730-2727. That's 1-800-730-2727. And you can talk about what we had discussed during this week. Uh, We discussed, of course, a hymn for the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, and then we also discussed how the Psalms are actually prayers of Jesus. And then yesterday with Wes Reimnitz, we discussed the Methodist Church's a uh, wonderful resolution not to authorize homosexual behavior, marriage, etc. And more of that will be coming down the pike. We'll probably be talking about that. Additionally, as there are some further steps that need to happen. So, without further ado, attempt to call me at this time. What I wanted to start with is a point that I had made on Wednesday that the Psalms are actually prayers of Jesus. And you can open up the Psalms, put your finger on any one of them, and then try and uh, realize how it is a prayer of Jesus. Now I just opened up the Bible and I came to Psalm thirty two, and here's how it starts. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Wow. There there's so much that can be discussed there. In fact, if you've been listening to the Bible study earlier in the morning, they've been having some uh, wonderful times discussing Genesis. And, of course, they haven't yet got to Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve realized their nakedness and covered themselves with fig leaves, which don't last very long, and then God covered them with the skin of an animal. This also reminds me of the sermons I had the last two days to four congregations, Ash Wednesday. What I'm doing during Lent is going through the words from the cross. And the first word from the cross that uh, we used was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And there's an actual hymn in some of the hymnals, and it has three verses for each of the words from the cross. And that's what we're going to be kind of be looking at. And there's Jesus on the cross, already asking the Father to forgive the sins, not just of the elect or the believers, but of the whole world. And part of the sermon I wanted to talk about was what does forgiveness mean? And I'm not kidding. I just opened the Bible, chapter 32 of Psalms. Listen to verse 2. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, that's the definition of forgiveness. You are not held accountable for your sin. You don't deserve that, but it's a gift given to God. Well, depending on the phone calls, we may return to this subject. But right now, let's go to uh, the phones and talk with Mike. Hi, Mike. You're on the air. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing today?
1: Great. Um, listen, I, I, I was listening to one of your callers about two weeks ago asked, uh why jews don't believe in jesus and I, I kind of asked that question to a jew and i remember the answer he gave what was it well i i, I, I didn't i didn't keep on my bible right now but i think it was first of all he said it's real obvious who the messiah is cuz it clearly states it in the bible his name and if you turn i think it's in isaiah chapter 45 verse 1 where it says that cyrus the persian was god's anointed and he said he was the Messiah because, you know, through his authority, he led the uh, the Jews back to Israel. And if you go back a little bit, you know, back to the the chapter before and a couple of later verses, he's called the shepherd king and the good shepherd. And they also, um, Jesus as a Messiah doesn't make sense from a Jewish point of view because the Messiah always leads the, the Israelite people back to Israel. And Jesus was telling them to get out of the country when the uh, Romans surrounded, you know, Jerusalem. They were to run as fast as they can, and plus he, um, they would never accept him as the Messiah because in the book of Hebrews it says that Jesus Christ is superior to Moses, and that in itself makes it impossible for them to ever see him as the Messiah.
0: Yes, those are good reasons. Uh, Unfortunately, for example, this idea of Jesus telling them to leave Jerusalem, if you go to the book of Acts, there's no doubt that they had to flee from the oppression of the Romans when they destroyed the temple again in 70 A.D. But then the Christians were gathering money together to take back to the saints in Jerusalem. And so that's a, a wrong understanding that they weren't going to be helping out uh, the saints in Jerusalem, because that's exactly what was happening.
1: Yeah, but wasn't that before the Jerusalem fell? Though They had this collection because of that, uh, whatever it was, that famine or something that somebody predicted?
0: Yes, there's no doubt that that was occurring, but... Jerusalem still is a, an area do you know how many christians go to israel every year on tours to see uh, where bethlehem was and where uh, possibly jesus had the last supper and where he was crucified etc so the idea that christians don't go back to jerusalem really doesn't make any sense
1: yeah but he he wasn't a leader leading the leading them I mean, he had nothing to do with leading them back to Israel. That's why they they just don't see it, you know. Well, the who
0: motivated the Christians to return to Israel except the Holy Spirit, who is part of the Holy Trinity of Jesus?
1: Yeah, but that's now, though. I mean, they, I mean, they, you know, of course, you know, they they reestablished their country in 1948. But I mean, that's kind of a neo Messianic age or something. It's. It's not quite the same thing.
0: Well, the other thing, you you mentioned Cyrus was the anointed one, right. and that is the definition of the word Messiah yeah, go, yeah. or Christ. But Moses was also an anointed one. Jesus was anointed. All an anointed means is God had selected them to do a specific mm-hmm. task, and so that Jesus is also the highly anointed one, and I'll tell you why he's better than Moses. Did the Jew understand that if you just follow Moses, the way of salvation is by obedience to the commandments in contrast to Jesus where it is trust in the promises?
1: No, he, he wouldn't have understood that. No. I mean, that wasn't in his thinking.
0: But but it's good that you have conversations with these folks. Well, this was years ago. I, I talked to this guy, though. Well, that's still good. Uh-huh. I mean, a lot of Christians don't really share their faith or at least ask questions about it. So I sure appreciate that, Mike. I wish we had more listeners like you who were doing these things.
1: Well, thank you. Okay.
0: All right. God bless, right. and thank you for being on the air. And anybody else can call. Our numbers here are... In St. Louis, 821-0850. Toll-free, 1-800-730-2727. Now, what Mike did is a kind of a good example. When you meet somebody who doesn't believe in the Christian faith, it's always a good idea to ask them the question, Why don't you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world? And Mike had a good memory in remembering the three reasons that were given. But then as each reason is given, if you don't know how to answer that, you always should go to your pastor, who hopefully is trained in the original languages, and can give, therefore, some answers uh, to these people. There is just no doubt that many, many Jews became Christian at the time of Jesus. And why is that so if these three reasons were so obviously against Jesus as the Messiah? It's because they did not reject the faith given to them by the Holy Spirit and therefore believed that Jesus had all the signs. We just went through the season of Epiphany. And what is that season? That's a season where Jesus did many miracles, said many things that demonstrated he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies in regard to himself being the Messiah. All right. Uh, Anybody else can call 821-0850 or one 800 7302727. 7302727 I kind of want to go back to that psalm I was talking about and I I just opened up the Bible to any psalm and it just so happened to be psalm 32. And what I found very interesting is this is kind of what I preached last night and the night before for Ash Wednesday is blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now, it's covered not by the skin of an animal, as was Adam and Eve, but by the blood of Christ. And blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So Jesus here is giving the definition of the word forgiveness. We do not forgive those who deserve it because then nobody would be forgiven. We always forgive those who do not deserve it. Now, every now and then, the text becomes real clear that this is a prayer of Jesus. Verse 3 For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Now, if that isn't an example of the cross, I don't know what is. But that certainly is. And then who put him on the cross? We ask that question. Verse 4 answers it. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Uh, By the way, that's almost a quotation, again, from Psalm 22 of how his strength was dried up on the cross. I mean, it's really amazing as you go through the Psalms and see Jesus everywhere. But we've got another caller on the line. So at this time let's go speak with Herman. Hi Herman, you're on the air. Thank you, Pastor Baker. Uh, Your
2: previous caller brought up the uh, instance of uh, a response from a Jew why he didn't believe in Jesus, and the Jew had an interesting uh, citing on that in terms of uh, scripture about Cyrus and also about Jesus telling uh, his followers to leave Jerusalem. Now you've made the point there's a difference between historical knowledge and saving faith in that and in that instance it sounds like that Jew accepted Jesus as a historical person in fact and essentially the New Testament account but he doesn't believe it.
0: Yes, this is really important that we make a distinction between proper faith and improper faith. Improper faith is simply believing the history of the Bible. And so this Jew probably believed there was a man named Jesus, and his instructions to the people were to leave Jerusalem, which he thought was inappropriate. What he forgets is that that is not saving faith to believe the history and the historical events of Jesus Christ. You could believe he fed 5,000 people. You could believe a lot of miracles, and that still doesn't save you because true faith has as its object the promises of the gospel, namely the forgiveness of sins and so forth. And you make a good point that this particular Jewish individual somewhat believed the history of the Bible, but not the gospel promises. Uh, Well, thank you, Pastor Baker. Thank you very much for calling. Yeah, we got some great listeners on there. I know Issues Etc. keeps talking about having the greatest listeners on the radio, but some of them must listen to me also because they make some good insights. I'm gonna get back to Psalm 32. I'm, I'm really fascinated because I hadn't looked at this ahead of time. And we've already shown that Jesus covers the sins of those who have transgressed. And forgiveness means the Lord no longer counts sin against a person. While he's on the cross, he's groaning all day long. His strength is dried up. Now look at verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity... I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now somebody may ask, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That can't be talking by Jesus, because Jesus never sinned. Well, he took on our sin at his baptism. And when he took on our sin, he acknowledged he was a sinner, and knew from reading the Old Testament and perhaps special revelation from the Father that he was to die on the cross as a sinner for us, as our substitute. The fact of the matter is, even though he does say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, that his iniquity is also forgiven at the end of the cross And the proof of that is his resurrection. That God does not count his sin against Jesus eternally, but during that time of the crucifixion and the burial. Verse 6, Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters... They shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Now this is Jesus proclaiming his praise of God the Father. One of the big things during the Reformation that Martin Luther talked about quite a bit was the whole concept of the hidden God. Now, what is meant by that? While we know a lot about God's thinking, just from reading the Bible, there is still hundreds of questions we have that the Bible does not answer. And that's why faith doesn't live by sight. It lives through trust. In the promises of God. You may not be able to figure out what God is doing. He may appear to be hidden from you, but you are within his hiding place. The the church is not recognized at all by the world. In fact, if you listen to the people of the world, they still do not understand how Christians think and how we live. So verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Now that's really referring to God the Father. Because when God the Father says to Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, listen to him, what he's referring to is that Jesus is in obedience to the will of God the Father. And he is following the will of God the Father in even going to the cross. And he's aware of that, tells the disciples, going to Jerusalem, I'll be put to death, but then I'll rise again three days later. And so... Jesus speaking to himself, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. And yes, even though Jesus did say at the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He also spoke to the Father in two other places. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And the other thing near the end of the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And therefore, the last verse of chapter 32 of Psalms is really the attitude of Jesus. And because we are his brother in the faith it can become our attitude also be glad in the lord and rejoice o righteous now who of us are righteous well none of us by our own works are righteous but remember that robe of righteousness in fact the second corinthians chapter 5 passage that jesus became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him. We received that robe of righteousness, and therefore we can be glad in the Lord and rejoice and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And that was the work of Jesus Christ. It's really a fascinating item, and I would challenge you to do a little homework today. You may have some favorite Psalms, but this time open the Bible up to where the Psalms are and then just flip a couple of pages and put your finger on any Psalm at all. And as you begin to read it, you will begin to hear and understand how these are the prayers of Jesus. That's really good news. And that's what Lent is all about. It's talking about how Jesus is the one that we do save. That saves us. All right, back to the phone lines. Is this uh, Randy or Sandy?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just a quick comment in regard to uh, the reason why the Jews at that time did not believe in their Messiah. Where is it in Scripture? I can't it that it is spoken that god had hardened their hearts closed their eyes and stopped up their ears until the times of the gentiles i'm not sure if that is applicable but they were also looking for someone to lead them out of oppression like a uh, like a superhero that's why they chose barabbas to release and they had their sacrificial system didn't see the need for um a uh, a a savior and uh, so to me, it all ties in with Scripture, but I can't really place that Scripture that I had uh, referred to earlier. So,
0: Yes, you, see, the other point I would make is they had a totally wrong view of the Messiah, as yeah. you mentioned. They thought he was going to come and r- get rid of the Romans, restore Jerusalem to its former grandeur, and this kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And, and the first Christians were converted Jews. <laughs> so, well, yes. Yes. Yes, true believers that spread the gospel. That's all, Pastor. Thank you.
0: Thank you so very much. Again, some good comments there as we try and struggle with those who do not believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's best to know their reasons why they're refusing to believe because then the appropriate Bible verses can be brought and allow the Holy Spirit to create true faith in their hearts this is a task we're going to be doing all during the season of Lent because the season of Lent particularly the midweek services are an opportunity to prepare ourselves for Holy Week beginning with Palm Sunday Monday Thursday Good Friday and of course Easter Sunday and that preparation is done by helping you to understand the true meaning of in a sense, it's kind of a road to Emmaus Bible study we'll be going through to help you understand why it was necessary for Jesus to die and to rise from the dead. On Monday's Law Gospel, we'll be taking a look at readings for the second Sunday of Lent. And we'll be taking a look at them. I haven't decided which one I'm going to do yet. They're all so good. But be with us on Monday. And if you ever want to email me, it's lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. God bless.